PS, the Puget Sound podcast where I'm talking to members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker and my guest today is Romy Miller, a junior from Palo Alto, California. As always, the Puget Sound podcast is recorded and produced by Moonyard Studio right here in Tacoma, Washington. Here's Romy. Romy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I want to um, start things off by just asking you about, we're recording at the end of May. You've just finished what I believe is your sophomore year, yes? Yes. How does it feel to be halfway there? Uh, definitely feels really surreal and also not really the way I kind of had originally imagined. Um, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm actually really really proud of the way that I kind of handled things at the end of the semester. Um, we obviously had kind of cut the second semester a little bit short um, and unexpected. And I think that there were a lot of unknowns um, with everyone and everyone's situation. And definitely, I think that everyone that I know handled it really well. And I'm also just really proud that I kept my head up and kept going and finished the semester out strong. Um, since I know that was definitely something I had struggled with um, at the beginning of quarantine and staying focused, especially at home, um, since I moved home um, and away from campus. So there was definitely a lot to kind of adjust to, but I think that um, I've really stayed strong through the semester. And so I'm really proud. And it's kind of crazy to think that I'm halfway done with my college career for undergrad, at least. Um, but Yeah. <laughs> Being halfway done with your college career now feel different than the way you anticipated that it would feel when you started college and thought about kind of what this milestone might be or whether it would feel even like a milestone at all? Yeah, I definitely think it's different um, than the way I kind of originally had imagined with all of my friends and being able to kind of feel that rewarding experience and be able to celebrate with them and be like, we're done with halfway, we're done with halfway of our college experience and everything like that. Um, so it's definitely different because I was home um, away from campus with my family. Um, I had my older sister actually here with me too. Um, and so it was really just different, but it wasn't different in a bad way. I think it was different in a way that we all kind of had to adjust. And um, it was nice to kind of be surrounded by my family and have them kind of support me and be like, you're done with halfway through college. Um, but it was definitely different and kind of I was a little bummed because I wasn't able to be with my friends, but um, I think we just kind of make the best out of the situation. <laughs> well, and so let's talk about some of those differences. You're an exercise science major. Yes. Were you taking classes that had labs associated with them when we switched to distance learning? Yeah, so I was actually taking two classes with labs. So I was taking physiology and physics, um, and I was also actually taking a music class to fulfill my art credit. <laughs> which was also really difficult. Um, and then my last class was Spanish. And that was also really hard because it's a very collaborative in-person class where you have to talk a lot um, with other students. And that's the way that I learn best is just being able to talk with my peers and everything like that um, and physically be in class. So when I was taking my science classes, I definitely was struggling at the beginning because it was really hard for me to kind of obtain the information remotely it just there was a connection that was missed for me and it kind of reminded me why I chose Puget Sound and like why it was so important for me to have those small class sizes and those connections with professors because I really felt like that had kind of been cut off a little bit 
the remote learning, if that makes sense. You feel like you got your feet back under you by the end of the semester? Yeah, I definitely think it took a couple of weeks to kind of get used to, um, just because I remember coming back from our supposed to be spring break and just wondering how labs were going to kind of resume, um, especially because physiology lab was very in-person. There were a lot of just physical things that we were learning about, like the human body and things that are just really hard to learn um, remote. And so it took a couple of weeks to get adjusted. And I think my professors reacted really appropriately too, of just let's take a couple of weeks off and focus on how we're going to kind of take our next steps instead of just trying to rush and figure out how we're going to resume labs and all of that and have students be stressed and all of that. So they did a really good job of kind of easing us into like online simulations and things like that, which was different. Um, but I really appreciate how like willing they were to kind of understand each student's like background and each student's situation, because obviously everyone was in a different situation when quarantine kind of started. And so they did a really good job of making sure that the students' priorities and like emotions and feelings kind of came first, which I was really appreciative of. When you did eventually resume and resume some of that lab work, what what did it look like? How was it adapted so you could do it? Because I would think that would be one of the hardest things to replicate that kind of learning in this sort of environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely looked different for uh, my two different classes. So for physics, usually in lab, you would come in on like your designated lab day um, and finish the lab and complete it. And then you would turn it in at the end of the lab period. Um, What my physics professor did was he actually just made the lab online. He found an online simulation and some like YouTube videos to help explain a concept that might have been taught in class or during lab class. Um, And he gave us an actual full week to complete the lab for that, which was really nice. Um, And so it was kind of up to us to decide when we wanted to complete that lab. Um, I took the initiative to just really try to stay like dedicated to my schedule from in-person classes. And so I would do my lab when my scheduled lab was. And that took a lot of self-discipline because knowing that I had another, you know, six days to do it, I could have done it, but I know that I like wouldn't have really (laughs) done it if I didn't do it when I was supposed to and when I kind of had the time set up to do it. So that's what I did for physics. And then for physiology, my professor was actually way more collaborative for lab. So we would all show up during our designated lab period. And um, she would have like the Canvas conference thing going on and then explain what she would normally explain in lab and then have breakout rooms within um, like the Canvas conference. And then she would check in with us and we would do another like online simulation. Um, But she was really good about like swinging by and asking us if we had any questions or things like that. So that was pretty similar to, I feel like, what some of the labs were um, in person because some of our physiology labs were simulations and she would do the same thing, just walk around the classroom. Um, So that was pretty similar. And I was really appreciative of her really trying to keep that as consistent as possible, um, which was nice. In some of those classes, well, and actually, before I ask, I answer this question, ask this question, you're going to answer the question. Um, I should say for people that when you say Canvas or Canvas conference, that's the kind of digital software we use for everything related to our academics. So that's how students might turn in digital assignments. That's where professors might upload course readings or syllabi. Um, And in this instance, it's, I think, been 
really used much more heavily for exactly what you just said, things like office hours, things like drop-in. So that's um, technology that I think would be familiar to a lot of people, but maybe with a slightly different, a slightly different name. The question I was going to ask pre-defining terms um, was about sort of how, as you got your feet under you, you felt like you were able to start to use the space. Did you feel like you were interacting with your peers in a different way? Did you feel like you had access to your professor in a different way? And part of the reason I'm asking is a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with a student about this and he said something that was really striking to me because I had assumed that remote learning was just sort of generally a big bummer for everybody. <laughs> um, and what he said is that he had actually noticed it wasn't so much that people were participating less but that different people were participating in his classes and people who maybe would not have spoken up in an in-person full class were able to interact with this media a little different. Does that, have you noticed that also? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that statement um, that the other student had mentioned. And I think I can also like firsthandedly kind of say that it's definitely helped my confidence a lot in a way, um, it's obviously very different and different students kind of react to online learning differently. Um, however, <laughs> I definitely gained a lot more confidence, especially in my STEM classes for my major, um, just because I was through a screen. Um, and I think it's really interesting because um, our professor encouraged us to talk through like the microphone um, like feature and everything like that. But a lot of students actually just typed in the chat box that they have set up in Canvas. Um, and that's what I did a lot. And so I was participating a lot more just because it wasn't like physically scary thinking that 27 other students are staring at me and, you know, hoping that I get the right answer. And um, that definitely helped with my confidence, as well as I also was noticing that I was attending office hours more um, online, which I really liked just because I thought it was really important to kind of keep my connections and relationships with my professors. And I could actually honestly, like build that more. And I noticed that a lot of students weren't going to online office hours as much just because, you know, we're all in our different own schedules and things like that. Um, but I thought it was easier to kind of face like maybe some of my more intimidating professors um, through online office hours. And also I would just go to just listen. And I think that's something very different about in-person office hours is that, you know, professor, whoever is going to have their office hours from two to four. Um, but you know, that mental block for me was, oh my gosh, I don't have a, like, I don't have a question to ask. And so I don't want to go in. Um, but just going to their online office hours, there would be, you know, a couple students and I'd just go in and listen. Um, and that was totally okay. You know, it's just different if you go in and you're like, oh, I just wanted to wait and see if anyone else would come in to office hours. But it was really different because you have that online feature and people are swinging in. Um, so I would just go in and listen to what other students had um, questions for because it, might be like I have the same exact question um so that was really nice to kind of just be able it was like another resource for me to just hang out listen to the question talk with my professor chat more about like what's going on in my own life um versus academics and so I definitely think that there were some advantages um like benefits to online learning and things like that that's a great point and I think your point about office hours is a really good one. I'm remembering being a student at Puget Sound myself and feeling like I I did feel okay about going into office hours just to chat, but I also remember feeling like some faculty would intentionally bring multiple students in at a time, right? 
oh, I see you standing in the hallway. Like, come on in, sit down. Elena and I are just talking about blank. And some folks would treat them like they were like a one-on-one conference or an appointment, right? Like one student in, one student out. And neither one of those is right or wrong at all because there's benefits to both of them. But it did make me feel like if I was the one student in the office that maybe I should hurry up and wrap things up. (laughs) And I think one nice thing about being in the digital space with them would be, I assume that there's sort of, like you all know anybody could show up at any time and there sort of is no waiting in the hallway. Like you just log into the Zoom call and then you're there. And it, I hadn't been thinking about that at all, but of course it creates a different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that because it actually brought me to um, just remind myself of my freshman year, my second semester. Um, that time, my chemistry professor, like even though we were in person, um, my chem professor actually hosted like a weekly online um, office hour and like in addition to in-person, which I thought was really cool. And that actually really stood out to me. And it reminded me how much I really like online office hours. Um, And I actually wanted to like talk to one of my professors about just like, hey, I realized that this was actually really helpful for me. And maybe other students felt the same way. Um, But she held weekly online office hours in addition to in-person. So if for some reason we couldn't go in or we had other activities going on, we could always log in, you know, at like eight o'clock on Mondays um, and a bunch of people would just swing by to listen and ask questions. And it was just an additional resource and an additional time for students to kind of learn. Um, So that's what this whole shift to remote learning reminded me of, of just like, oh yeah, it's really not that scary to go in and talk to your professor during office hours um, because they really appreciate you. What do bakeries, industrial design, waterproof notebook paper, and investment management for cryptocurrencies have to do with each other? Hi, I'm Ryan Del Rosario, Assistant Director of Admission and School of Music Admission Coordinator. All four of the things I listed are businesses that were founded by entrepreneurial Puget Sound alums, and you can find out more at pugetsound.edu stories. Now back to PS, the Puget Sound podcast. I also want to ask you, and I know it's a hard thing to like cast your mind back to, but about your non-COVID life at Puget Sound. <laughs> so before any of this happened, run me through, sort of situate yourself for listeners about what are the kinds of things you're involved in? What gives color to your life when you think about who you are and what you do at Puget Sound? What are the sort of important bullet points to know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, it's really important to know, especially especially at Puget Sound, that there are a lot of different activities that you can be a part of. um, And like one activity doesn't define you. It was definitely something that I didn't really know going into college because my older sister actually goes to military academy. So it's very different than like your normal university experience per se. Um, And so what I actually was involved in before COVID-19 all happened and everything was I actually decided to rush my sophomore year. So I did recruitment for Greek life uh, my second year. And so at Puget Sound, we do something really cool that's um, called second semester rush. And so it gives first years kind of one semester to really settle in and figure out, um, you know, what college is like and kind of just find a little bit of their community before, you know, um, just rushing into finding like a Greek house or things like that. Um, 
And my first year, I was totally like, this is not my thing. Like I never, like I would make fun of Greek life in movies with my family. So I was like, this is definitely not something I want to be a part of. Um, but after my first year at Puget Sound, I kind of realized that um, it might be a really good opportunity for me to expand my community and meet a bunch of other people. And also it's not binding. So I can go through the process and decide if this isn't for me, I don't have to join anything. I'm not committing to anything at that point. Um, and so I decided to do that. And it was actually one of the best decisions I've made um, in my life. Actually, I just met so many great people. Um, I never really had like that group of empowering women and things like that. Um, and so when I joined my sorority, I was really surprised that this was going to be a good fit um, just because I immediately got to meet so many wonderful women in the house and things like that. I met a bunch of people in different houses through the recruitment process. So that was a really big thing that I was really looking forward to pre-COVID um, this semester. But I've really done a really good job of keeping those connections um, remotely and things like that. But that was definitely something I was looking forward to being involved in more was Greek life. Um, and it also kind of inspired me to um, apply for a couple more like leadership opportunities and things like that. So um, before COVID happened, I had applied to be a peer ally for next uh, fall, <laughs> next fall school year. Um, so I guess fall 2020 um, and peer allies. Explain to people. Yeah. Oh, I cut you off. You were about to do exactly what I was going to ask you to do, oh. but explain what a peer ally is. Yeah. So peer allies is a student led group on campus and it's basically a group of students that um, are here to support survivors of sexual assault. Um, so when you first step on campus, you do go through like green dot um, awareness basically. And it's all about sexual assault and um, misconduct and things like that. And I learned a lot from that, um, just that session. And I was like, oh, this seems really interesting. But I was a first year and I didn't want to overload myself. So I was like, maybe I'll just keep that kind of thought in the back of my head for a little bit. And then um, this year I was really inspired and I was really like, I want to take part in a bigger role um, on campus. And so I decided to apply. I ended up getting the role. And so I'm really looking forward to doing that in the fall. Um, I also was involved. Sorry, were you going to say something? <laughs> you read my computer face exactly right. I was just going to ask a little more about Pure Allies and say that my impression, and you should correct me if I'm wrong, is that part of the logic behind this group is that sometimes it is easier to talk to someone who is your peer, right, thus the name, than to go to an institutionalized support system. And many people do want to go to a dean or to somebody in counseling, health, and wellness services, but also sometimes people want what feels like a more informal support network. And my understanding yes. That's the intent of peer allies is that there are drop-in office hours that you can go in. You can talk to a student who has some elevated training about resources on campus, about language and resources to support survivors of sexual assault, but that feels different than, oh, I had to go talk to X staff member. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also think um, a big part of the peer allies group is also because some students who have gone through situations like that feel scared to come up to someone because they feel like they need to formally re make a report about it or um, file a Title IX report. Um, and they're scared that, you know, someone won't believe them or that their feelings that they're going through are invalid. And I think it's really important for students to know that um, 
we're peers and we're really here to just listen to you and to support you and kind of help you through a really hard situation and that you're not being judged at all and that we're not um, we're not required to formally file a report. So this is a really safe space for you to really just talk about what you're going through and have your feelings validated, which I think is really important because a lot of the time um, survivors don't report it because they're afraid that they're going to have to go through a formal you know, process and things like that. But this is a very safe space and a safe resource for our students. So I think it's a really amazing group to be a part of on campus. And one of the other things I love about Peer Allies is I think it is perhaps the most, if not one of the most diverse cross sections of the student body we have on our campus. The Peer Ally cohort is really assembled with the intent of getting an enormous range of people. So there are peer allies who are varsity baseball players. There are peer allies who are really involved with Greek life. There are peer allies who are really involved in their academic departments or who have just studied abroad for a year and were a peer ally before they left campus and came back and stepped right back into that community. There are folks who are really involved with social justice on campus. There are folks who are really involved with religious life on campus who are peer allies. And that I think is wonderful for two reasons. One, I think that says a lot in terms of our community values, right? That it's not Mm -hmm. just, oh, the students who are in this group and that's what they do who care about this, but that our students care about supporting each other and our students in every little segment of our campus community care about supporting each other. But also because if you are a survivor or if you are someone who wants to learn more about resources on campus, that you can pick somebody that feels not just like a peer in terms of also being a student, but truly like a peer in terms of interest, background, activities, maybe someone you knew already, maybe someone you absolutely did not know already, right? If that's what you're... Mm -hmm. And that, I think, structurally makes Peer Allies just such an extraordinarily thoughtful group in terms of what the intent of that organization is and then how to execute it. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Yeah. And when I mentioned that there are varsity athletes who are peer allies, that includes you, right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I am part of the varsity crew team. um, And that was definitely something that was a highlight that I decided to join my first year on campus. Um, Definitely did not see myself really doing that. um, (laughs) But it was a really great experience for me to be able to get that D3 experience and that student athlete part. And at Puget Sound, I definitely felt the student athlete importance of that. Um, And I think that's why a lot of students actually decide to go D3 is because they value their academics just as equally um, as their athletics. And so I think that it's really cool that crew especially is very open to anyone joining. Um, It's one of the few sports in college that you can join without having any prior knowledge to. Um, And so in high school, I played softball and I also did like wrestling. I was on the wrestling team. Um, So I never had really done anything with crew or really, we didn't have like a rowing team or anything in our community. And so um, getting called in by the coach, uh, like my first week on campus, I was like, oh, okay, this is definitely something I can think about. Um, I was actually a coxswain. So I didn't row because I'm really small, um, but it was a different type of role that I wasn't used to. Um, but the coxswain's role is basically just to push all of the eight women in the boat to like finishing the race. Um, and so our job is to really lead 
um, to encourage, to drive all of the women to finishing this really hard physical and mental race. And so it was really cool to kind of feel like I was in charge in a different way, um, but also learn to kind of um, work together and not like overpower and abuse my role as a coxswain, um, but really figure out and learn and understand each individual and what they need to finish a race. Um, so that was definitely a really cool experience for me. Um, obviously very different than what I, you know, had done previously, but it was a good learning experience and a really good thing. I'm glad that I joined because I was able to learn a lot about like time management and also build a lot of relationships that I don't think I would have really built or made um, if I hadn't joined like the athletic side of Puget Sound. Romy, one of the things I'm hearing come up in all of the topics we're covering is this common thread of really thoughtful leadership and really individualized leadership. I heard you talk about that community of strong women when we talked about Greek life. I know we talked about it in the Pure Allies context. And then that's what I heard you just now really focus on in talking about varsity crew also, right? Is how do you motivate these women? How do you work with your teammates as a designated leader to not overstep, but to make sure that you're fulfilling your role, make sure that they're able to motivate and to push through and to work through that challenge. When you think about how you would characterize your college experience thus far, does that kind of leadership feel to you also like a common thread? Are there other things that you feel like, you know, this really weaves through my time so far at Puget Sound? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I would actually say that uh, what I had expected in a college experience was nothing like what I've been given at Puget Sound. I definitely was not someone to think that I would ever join a bunch of different activities and be a leader and have that kind of leadership role and be a part of so many different communities on campus. Um, because I've always kind of been a really laid back, shy, quiet person. Um, and like kind of, what is it? What is the saying? Like a small fish in a big bowl. <laughs> um, <laughs> but definitely at Puget Sound, I've been able to be a bigger or a bigger fish in a small bowl. I don't know. Um, but I've definitely felt like I've had so many different opportunities that have allowed me to kind of build those leadership opportunities and things. And I think it's definitely um, also myself trying to challenge um, and challenge myself in taking bigger parts and being a part of bigger things. Um, just because I think you have four years of college and I thought, why, like, what's, like, why not start now? Like, I don't know. I've never been a part of big leadership roles in high school. So let's just try it now because I have four years to just try anything I want. And Puget Sound really allows every student to be a part of whatever they want to be. Um, it's not limiting at all. And I think that's also why I chose a smaller school. So I could feel like I'm like changing things. I'm a part of things where people are noticing me and where I feel empowered and inspired by other people at the same time. Um, and so I'm, I'm just so glad that I was able to kind of just take a risk and just put myself out there a little bit um, because I've really been enjoying all of these different roles that I've been a part of on campus and it's really helped shape my overall college experience in a way that I didn't imagine it would be. And every episode by asking everybody the same four questions. The first question is, what's your favorite place on campus? 
my favorite place on campus oh it like changes every year but this year I would probably say it was um Diversions Cafe just because um that's like where you see everyone you're gonna run into someone you know um and I only started drinking coffee really since I started crew and we're waking up at 4 30 a.m and I had 8 a.m classes and I was like I'm not gonna survive the day without coffee um and so I go to Diversions a lot this semester um and I like just going there and studying and I've definitely learned different, you know, different classes. I need to study in different places. Um, but Diversions was al always a place, especially second semester when I started getting involved in more things on campus, where I would see someone and I'd be like, hey, how are you? Like, just a nice time to catch up with someone, um, like in between classes or during lunch. Um, but that was one of my favorite places just because it's such a good community and a good environment to kind of just vibe with people, you know? So <laughs> that was definitely one of my favorite places this year. Second question is, what are you reading right now? Um, I'm not reading anything right now. <laughs> the semester ended just a week ago, so you're, you're really on break. Yeah. <laughs> Third question is, what's the best place to eat in Tacoma? Best place to eat? I would say, honestly, going to get something at the Met Market. Um, I don't have a car on campus, and so I haven't really been like you know, exploring all the different food places um, in Tacoma quite yet. Um, but from what I know and what I've been doing is I like to walk over to the Met Market. I try to go every weekend, but I don't always make it every week. Um, but they have really, really good stuff, just like ranging from so many different, like just so many different things. Um, and they have really, really good food um, that you can get like fresh and made specifically for you and stuff. Um, so I really like going and just, you know, getting sushi or getting some really good pasta that day or getting the cookie, um, the iconic cookie. <laughs> um, so I think it's a really great place to kind of just, they fulfill like any craving that you really have. So I think that's where I would go. But <laughs> lastly, Romy, what makes Puget Sound special? I think it makes Puget Sound special to me, at least. Um, in that you're able, I kind of touched on it before, but that you have so many things that you can be a part of and um, be passionate about and you can follow like what you want to do while at the same time fulfilling that academic um, importance. So for me, I was really academically driven, but I was also really socially driven. And I think at Puget Sound, they do a really good job of making sure that students can do both. Um, in that like, if I'm really, really stressed I have access to my professors or I have CHAWS, which is counseling, health and wellness services. I can talk to someone there. Um, I have my peers that I've been able to build relationships with in all my social activities, um, but that I can be a part of so many different communities and still be able to focus on academics at the same time. Um, I know that um, for a lot of schools, like if you, for example, decided to join Greek life, you know, Greek life is your whole life. Um, but at Puget Sound, there's so many different things you can be a part of. And it doesn't, one thing does not define you. And so I really enjoy that aspect of Puget Sound of just being able to do whatever I want and um, just meet so many different people. I think Puget Sound attracts so many different communities and different people from all over. And so you just meet some wonderful people at Puget Sound. And I think that's really special to me. Amy Miller, thank you for joining me on the Puget Sound podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to PS, the Puget Sound podcast. 
If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for P.S., the Puget Sound Podcast.